Welcome to Watching Watchmen, a Lost Boys podcast with me, Jack, and me, Jacob. Hello, welcome to Watching Watchmen, a Lost Boys podcast with you every step of the way. you got me, Jacob Stolworthy. And me, Jack Shepherds. We are here because we are watching a, a new TV show, Jack. A, a new TV show. That is called... Watchmen. Watchmen. As you might have surmised, it's based on the graphic novels by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. That was released in the 80s. And there's a new TV show on HBO from none other than Damon Lindelof. Who wrote and created Lost. Co-created Lost. He was show co-showrunner for many years of Lost. And he did The Leftovers. And he did The Leftovers. So this is his third TV show. Um, second after Lost. And boy... What a show it is. One opening episode. Mm. So, spoilers ahead for both the graphic novel and episode one of Watchmen. Absolutely. So, we should point out, it's the same, the same world as a graphic novel, but 30 years on. Everything from the comics happened. It's the, canon. It's canon. The Vietnam War was won. The heroes from the comics, they existed. Ozymandias genetically engineered a giant squid in order to save humanity from nuclear war. That was a, that was an almost a real tongue twister, but you nailed it. If if you're thinking what the fuck is he talking about, then <laughs> I do think this is a podcast for you. Don't be don't be scared off. We're going to delve into this, aren't we? We're going to delve into it hard. We are. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> God, now you're probably turned off. Um, so before we properly delve in, Jack, what's your initial views on the on the? I guess we could call it a pilot episode, even though it has a title. Uh, what uh, and the title is, by the way, it's summer and we're running out of ice. Great title. What's your views on it's summer and it's running out of ice? <laughs> My views on it's summer and we're running out of ice. Uh, I thought it was a great opening episode. I thought it was really, really strong. I mean, it's it's an hour of television that's just like an adrenaline shot in the arm. It's mm. crazy. It goes so fast. Regina's amazing, isn't it? Oh, Regina King, ladies and gentlemen. Reigning Best Supporting Actress champion. She is phenomenal, in it? That, I mean, the whole cast are great. Mm. And I was immediately on Google straight after, <laughs> Googling everything, because I needed to know what it was referencing, and I needed a reminder on the comic books. And I was just glad that you were also there watching it mm -hmm. and we watched it twice now haven't we we have indeed yeah because we want to catch everything to give the people what they need all those references don't be that guy as well but i think it helped watching it a second time mainly may, maybe for us because we're doing this podcast but maybe if someone wants to listen along to podcasts and they don't have the time to watch it again this podcast will be fill that void you know this is for you so well what did you think of the episode uh, yeah i thought it was really good if i'm honest i enjoyed it more the second time and um, the first time i I think I preferred the Leftovers pilot episode more than I did the Watchmen pilot episode. Interesting. If we're doing comparisons to Lindelof's HBO shows. Um, but I knew there was a lot of promise in this. And to be honest, I wasn't aware of how much promise until I did watch this second time. But we'll, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that. So are we going to go through it scene by scene? Yeah, I think because when we do our... We do a Lost Boys podcast. We do a Lost podcast. You may have heard we are the Lost Boys. Jack, what is the Lost Boys? The Lost Boys is... We're going, we're watching Lost. I'm watching it for the first time. You're watching it for the... It's the bloody eighth time. The eighth time. You're the expert and I'm the novice. Yes. As, as, as ever. In everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Jack. You uh, are right. Here we're both the novices. And it's, it's uncharted territory and I bloody love it. Uh, uh, it's a new television show in the world to watch. Anyway, go on. What? So what I was going to say, when we do Lost, I, I'm very much aware of the scenes, what's coming and blah, blah, blah. I know how to kind of merge the conversation topics together but this we have no bloody idea and no nor do you you don't know what's coming next either so we're going to try and go through scene by scene and then tell you our theories tell you things we've noticed easter eggs callbacks and then we're just gonna we're just gonna tear everything <laughs> apart and just go go for it see what, what's Hip gonna up happen the rule book. rip up the watchmen comic and then and then you're gonna go speak to regina king oh yeah that's happening so yeah, firstly, you don't have to have a full understanding of the comic books to get the show, but we are going to kind of point those out uh, for fans of the comic books, but also for those who aren't uh, versed in it, but are like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And if we miss anything and you're a fan of the comics, get in touch. Don't kill us. Yes. Jacob, 
first scene. Let's talk about it. So I think the first scene was very grabbing. Um, so it starts with um, a film. It's not a real film. It's not a real film. And it involves, um, it's set in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we are based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and this is, I don't know when the film's set, but a boy is watching it and it's 1921. Yes. What's so, happening in the film? So it's Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves. So he is a black sheriff. Yes. And he has just... He's lynched a white sheriff. He's lynched a white so sheriff. So he's like this hero among the community um, of, uh, I guess, racist sheriffs, is, is, uh, racist um, uh, lawmakers. Um, and this guy, Bass Reeves, is a bit of a hero. Um, and you can see a young boy watching him, revering him like a hero uh, in a cinema, uh, which is called the Dreamland Theatre. Meanwhile, what's going on outside? There's riots. Yeah, which is real. It's the race riots of Tulsa of 1921. So what happened in the race riots? So the race riots, um, I mean, a white supremacist uprising. Uh, I've got to say, the first scene was very violent. Um, this was a cre- like a really huge opening. Yeah. It's also quite a bit of misdirection, or it feels misdirection, because we're tuning into Watchmen. You kind of expect, I don't know, superheroes or something? <laughs> you know, people from the graphic novel. You expect the comedian to be there or... You know, something along those lines, Absolutely. not this sudden silent film, mm. and then a race war happening outside. Yeah. But I say it's misdirect, it ties in so well with the rest of the episode. It really does. It's kind of, it's quite crazy. I mean, we've already pointed out that it's a, a white sheriff being lynched. Yeah. And I mean, there's some circular narrative going on here. There's a lot of circular narrative. We hope you didn't pause 10 minutes before the end. Because we have just given it away. Um, what, I, what we should say is the um, Tulsa race riot of 921 was called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. So this is like a big thing, um, big part of black history. Um, so I can imagine that it's not a very nice scene to watch for anyone. You know, it's it's quite a bold place to start your TV show. Yeah, it feels huge. I mean, it's, it, it also, I mean, it's setting the tone for mm. the rest of the show to come. And especially this episode, you know, we already know that this show's going to deal heavily with race. Which is interesting because the comics is all based on the Cold War, set in the 80s, released in the 80s. But Damon Lindelof said he wanted to kind of revise this and tackle the equivalent in 2019, which he believes is racism in America and policing, because there's a big, uh, you know, we'll talk we'll talk about that in the present day scenes. Um, but he just delves into that immediately. And what I love is that the the, the cast, there's um, a lot of black actors in this cast. Damon Lindelof is a white man. They must, and speaking to Regina, I've spoken to Regina King before, and she has implicit faith in Damon Lindelof's uh, storytelling. So. It's exciting. I mean, it's a huge opening. It's audacious and it sets the tone for, I mean, even the next scene going into yeah. it. So we should say, yeah, so. The next scene, we meet the young boy who snuck away from uh, the violence um, that the white supremacists are raining down. And he is given a note. And the note says, uh, watch over this boy. His mother, must, it must be his mother, puts it in his pocket. So whoever finds him looks over, you know, looks after him. Um, but he actually doesn't make it to anyone that we see. He gets out of the little hut he's put in and he finds another baby. Yeah. Which, and you're already thinking, what? I mean, knowing Damon Lindelof, obviously, it's like, yeah, sure, fine. But if you haven't, if you've watched TV shows before, you're like, what the hell is going on? But we just need to know that, have faith that we're going to find out what the hell that was about because we don't revisit that again in this episode. Well, you say we don't revisit it. Well, we don't revisit it again. We don't revisit the baby, but, well, we're not sure if we revisit the baby. We might do. We might do. But there is a note. The boy has a note. What does it say on the note, Jacob? Watch over this boy. Watch over this there's boy. A, there's, a, there's a man, an older man, played by Louis Gossett Jr. Oscar winner. Really? Yeah, he won for an officer and a gentleman. Best supporting actor. He's a former military man. So, I mean, he only has fleeting appearances through this. I mean, I know we're going through it scene by scene, but also we should talk about it. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, well, what was interesting is, like, 1921, Oklahoma, Tulsa, and then we... In the same location, in the same town, we catch up and we know that we're in present day because we hear, uh, you know, a music cue, a, a needle drop um, by uh, the rap artist Future, someone called Crushed Up. 
which I already have a slight issue with. Not with future and not with the song choice. Well, slightly or with the song choice. Or indeed the future. Or, or indeed the future. But because... So in the world of Watchmen, as we see in the episode, like technology's not there, right? Mm. And this song is so create was obviously created by, you know, future technology, like technology we have today. You know, it's got like these very electric high hats and very. It's you know, how are they creating all that stuff in this universe? That's a good point. You you brush over something huge that there, there is no internet or mobile phones in the world of Watchmen, which is huge. Yeah, so it's it's an alternate reality, right? Yeah. So with the graphic novels, to go back a bit for those who don't know, in the graphic novels, uh, this alternate u- universe in this alternate universe, superheroes are they save the day and they're created in the thirties, and the U.S. government hires superheroes to do their stuff, and that leads to stuff like wars ending sooner like the vietnam war was actually won by the americans in this universe there's all this kind of crazy weird stuff mm. in this alternate universe and so it, the cold war um is when the watchman comic books take place most superheroes at that stage have been banned mm-hmm. as they are still in the tv show but they they're the there's this group who are all integrally linked to the minutemen who we'll come back to as well. Absolutely. But they were superheroes in and around like World War One, yeah, World War Two, sorry. II. And so we kind of the remnants of that superhero group are felt through Watchmen, yeah, the comic. And then so we're picking up here. This is why it's so surprising that there's no superheroes in the immediate first five minutes because that's no. what you expect. But it has created this alternate universe where like um, Ronald Reagan. Uh, president of the United States for years and years. I don't. He was never impeached. There was never the Watergate scandal. Yeah. So his his, uh, his successor in this TV show, Robert Redford, is the uh, president of the United States of America, which is brilliant. Um, also, the fact that he's like retired as an actor, but I'm la- I'm glad he's given his likeness. Yeah. Over to the show. Absolutely. Imagine if he turns up at some stage. It would be great. It'd be. And cr- you see, like in um, a lot of the scenes later on, which we'll delve into, the white supremacists like trailer park or whatever. Um, fuck Redford. He yeah. says, you know, they don't like him. Uh, so, you, so you automatically know that he's probably all right if the white supremacists <laughs> don't like him. Yeah, want to be on his side. Um, and it's funny you say, like, su- superiors are indeed banned in this, um, still in this show. Um, but we do see immediately mask, a masked individual. But you learn that it's actually the police. And the police, uh, we soon learn, they have to mask themselves to protect their identities. You can't you have to keep your profession of being a police officer secret in this world, um, which I find really interesting. Yeah, it's quite weird, isn't it? It is a weird one. And they can't use their guns without them being unlocked by a dispatcher first. So like in their, in their uh, police cars, they need to call in uh, access to their guns. So we see a guy, a black cop, who we later realise, um, he happens upon, upon someone in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, who he thinks um, is a potential member of a clan we later know are called 7th Cavalry. And... Lo and behold, it is one, and he ends up getting shot and, and brut- um, brutally injured. Um, he doesn't die, does he? As far as we know, he's not dead yet. No. Well, we don't think we're not. Well, we'll, we'll get to sure, that. We la- we learn his name later on as well. But anyway, we then learn that um, we meet the chief of police, the sheriff, who is uh, Judge Crawford, who is essentially the white sheriff of Tulsa, and he's played by Don Johnson, who's great, very good. He, he every scene he's in is just. A, quite a lot of I want to say fun but he, br- he brings that he's good he's he's really good he's got that real kind of like western swagger to him yeah that I really like he wears a hat sheriff's hat a cowboy hat very well we soon learn that he works with Angela Aber who's Regina King but when we meet Regina King what's she doing she's uh, teaching kids about eggs in a school class because she has to keep her occupation secret no one knows she's a police officer well, she, yeah, she says she's a retired, retired police, officer. police officer. So she was a police officer until something happened called the White Knight. Now this scene, like, there is so much going on in this scene. Because she mentions that, A, she's from Vietnam. So she was born in Hanoi, she says. Which, and or then... Or born outside of Saigon, she says. Born outside of Saigon, which, and then they say, oh, is that before or after? That was a state. 
as in a state of America because America won the Vietnam won. War. They won. Which we know from the graphic novel, which is, which that entire conversation is kind of bonkers. Mm -hmm. But then we learned so much about Regina. I mean, A, there's the imagery of her removing the egg, egg yolk from the whites. Yeah. Which is like literally the... the <laughs> she mentions it as well. She, you can't keep them with the whites and stuff. It's uh, it's all very, you know, is it re related pushed to, forward. Yeah. You know, the race relations stuff, all the whites can't be with the yolks. And what stuff. symbol does it make as well when you see the shot? And you see the smiley face. Smiley face from the comics. Ooh. The graphic novels, I should say. So much going on. And then she mentions that there was something called the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Which is the moment she stopped being a police officer because she didn't like getting shot. And yeah. she said, she, so, uh, A, we're probably going to see the White Knight, right? Yeah, I mean, in flashback, I'm, I'm assuming, this being Damon Lindelof, we'll see some flashbacks. Definitely. B, we do kind of know what it is because in the preamble for the show, mm. it was revealed that the White Knight was something that happened on Christmas Eve. Right. Which would make sense with white, I imagine, snow. It's also become like a a, 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 um, a name for a day that it's not really okay for white people to say, right? Because when Chief Judd Crawford says it, she says, you're not, you're not meant to say that. Mm. It's, like a, it's like a night that's kind of sacred to the black community. So, I mean, and then we've got a little fucking dickhead in this class. Oh, there's, a little, there's always a little shit, isn't there? A little, little, little shit in the class who, um, she mentions that she now runs a bakery. Which she essentially does. We see that it's not actually completed yet. But it's called Milk and Hanoi, which is obviously based on her upbringing. She also wears like quite v Vietnamese clothing. Yeah. Um, and then one of this little shitty kid just says, says he just did red fedations pay for it? Now, and, we're confused here, aren't we? We are confused. Because red, red's a word. Yeah. Fedations isn't. But respirations. And it, that's been announced as being something that was it like compensation compensation to i imagine the black community from yeah white knight victims yeah so but it's always it's also like you, you, i'm assuming you're not meant to ask about that and then this little kid just bowls in and says it and she's furious she's furious Angela's furious but is the kid saying it wrong mm. that's it's the question because he's stupid because he's a racist. stupid little racist and then regina's Angie's child yeah. just goes over and punches the little shit in the face. That's great. And it's, it's justice. And then we go to a car ride and then things get even weirder and there are more tie-ins to the comic books. <laughs> There's so many tie-ins to the comic books. I always want to say before, at the beginning of that scene, we get a weird shot of um, Dr. Manhattan. Do we? Yeah, we do. On um, Before we see the eggs, we see Dr. Manhattan on seemingly on Mars. Uh, is he alive is he not blah 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 so you know so Dr. Manhattan again from the comics who is he yeah, he's God he is a he is God you're right he's a much. blue God who can appear in different places and take people to Mars with him and create huge glass castles on Mars out of nothing he does all sorts of fun things Jack that me or you can't do we can't do but at the at the end of watchmen what you need to know is that he has disappeared mysteriously where is he no one knows where he is no bloody knows i mean the, he's in the trailer for this he's, show i mean he's in the trailer for this show so he'll be back <laughs> so i presume he's back he's back so he's he, he's probably on mars um <laughs> <laughs> probably on mars so he um when angela and her kid driving home from school um they're having a chat and then all of a sudden, cars stop and then things go full in the loft when all this stuff starts falling from the sky. It's bloody squid, isn't it? It's little squids. Now, this follows on from the previous scene where there was a poster in the background going, anatomy of a squid. So squid is obviously a thing in this world. And squid is, lo and behold, a thing in the comics. Yep. So in the comics, the way the Cold War is stopped is by this guy who is in this show called Ozymandias, also yeah. known as Adrian Veidt. He creates this... He Does he create this huge octopus? So, yeah, he genetically engineers this giant alien creature that gets called a squid in order to save humanity from... And the way it does that is by... It, it attacks Manhattan and yes. then the world has to unite to kill... The huge squid. Yeah. But the huge squid still kills... Like half the population. Like millions of people. Yeah. 
And it happens at midnight on November the 2nd, 1985, which I think is a date that is going to come into play quite heavily in this show. Yes. Yeah. We'll put more on that later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, th there are so many, as as we've you know said, there's so many things to the gra graphic novel. It's yeah. like Damon described the graphic novel as the Old Testament, and this is... The New, the Testament, New Testament, which I do really like as an analogy, but like things from the old are obviously going to bleed into the new, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. I, I, I do because it's 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 like yeah, there's so it's, much stuff. As, uh, for now, we just yeah, we're just tearing through it as we <laughs> see fit. We get another little needle drip at this point, and uh, we get a song called Th uh, a version of Three Little Birds. Three Little Birds, um, but it's not by Bob Marley and the Waiters. No, it's by a song called Elizabeth Mitchell. Lost Watch. Lost Watch. Now, I thought it was the actress who plays Juliet in Lost. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't. I googled it and it's actually a folk <laughs> musician who's very famous and successful in her own right. So I'm sorry to Elizabeth Mitchell 2.0. <laughs> but we should actually um, use this uh, point to point out that, uh, the stage to point out that this soundtrack is composed by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I mean, they've done great work. They did the, uh, the Go of the Dragon Tattoo. Social network. Social network. They do. Um, they do the Vietnam War, the Ken Burns documentary. Um, they do Fear the Bloody Walking Dead. Um, but they're doing really good work with this, and you get you get lots of TikTok overlays, which you may have heard at the beginning of this podcast, because that's a theme running through the comics and, of course, the TV show. Yeah. Also, it's it's it really fills the episodes or this episode with a sense of dread. Mm. I d just do not feel relaxed watching this show. It just it's something that the graphic novel did and when you kind of you know something's going to go wrong and it nearly always does and it does in this episode but the soundtrack you know this kind of like weird synthy sound that is very yeah. much like uh Reznor's kind of thing it's foreboding and really unnerving yeah it's good it's, though. Like, it's quite it's quite david lynchian in a way or cr or creates that kind of nightmarish feel mm. also when you start throwing like a tiktok noise on top of uh scenes you're like okay what's going on here it just yeah. like adds attention it's really good so yeah regina king gets home to her family and it's where we meet her, her other kid she mentions another kid as well she's got three uh children um and she sees her husband who's a very very handsome yaya abdul mateen the second who's having a great year great year for yaya let's hear it for him <laughs> what else is he in i mean he was an aquaman that was last year though but he was in black mirror yeah, he was in the um, the um, Striking Vipers episode with Anthony Mackie. And he's just been cast in The Matrix 4. Yeah, the fourth Matrix, which is very interesting. I mean, exciting. there's like rumour that he's potentially playing Morpheus. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Which, great casting. Yeah, really so. good. He's really charismatic and he's really good in this. Um, he's got a very warm smile. He's got a great... Oh, he's in Us as well. He's in Us. He is in Us. Ah, uh, yeah. What a great year. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely smashing it. Um... Just as she's got home, she gets a little bleep on like a pager because obviously you don't have mobile phones. Um, <laughs> and it's, it says Little Bighorn. Now, we know Little Bighorn was a battle. Um, I mean, Little Bighorn was the battle where General, General Custer was murdered, right? I mean, this is really delving into history here and history is not my thing. TV and film is my thing. Especially American history. We are two British boys. Yeah, man. Attempting to go deep into this. So, I mean, it, it appears to be... It was a huge massacre, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, have you seen the film Little Big Man? The um, the Dustin Hoffman film? I have not. So it, he's kind of present at this uh, showdown, which I can tell you was between... It was an armed engagement between combined forces of the Lakota, the Northern Cheyenne, and the Arapaho tribes. Now, the only reason I know about this is because... Have you, have you read the book... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh... Oh, that film that that, that it's Scorsese's gonna Killers of the Flower Moon. I haven't I haven't read it. Scorsese's making it into a TV show with Leonardo DiCaprio, and it it, it kind of touches on these tribes. Wow, you start between different tribes. You're a media fiend, Jacob. I know that's how I literally know history and uh, <laughs> through the movies and geography. Yeah, that's honestly it. <laughs> um, so she gets this this page, and it's like an alarm that obviously alerts her that there's been a racist attack. But she immediately knows. She goes straight to. <laughs> Like this white supremacist mm. place, the bunch of caravans where you know you mentioned the fuck Redford thing, yeah, and stuff. And she she just goes and she she a she immediately gets the costume out. She immediately goes to her bat layer. So boom, she's she's a mass vigilante. Who knew? Who knew? She's we called Sister Knight, baby. Sister Knight, as in Sister Knight, not Sister Knight, baby. 
Sister Nate. Need to make that clear. And, I mean, <laughs> so she goes to her bakery, which is her bat layer. Yes. Has all her shit in it. And then she just goes out straight on the attack. She knows where to go, man. She knows where, because he stinks like bleach. Yeah, man. She can sniff out that racism and she does it. And she even admits to um, the chief that she knew about it. But she's just angry that he had only just alerted her to the fact. Yeah, she was like, should have sent me the little big horn earlier. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we just presume that they have these huge events where big murders happened and that they all signal. Signal, yeah. <laughs> Instead of red alert, they go... Little Bighorn. Little Bighorn. And they have to keep it covert because obviously they're not allowed to let anyone know that they're cops. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, so it's got, you know, and even her husband says, what's Little Bighorn? He doesn't know. She's keeping it secret from her husband. But, you know, there's some interesting things as she gets to the, she goes to the bakery, which is where her secret lair is, like you said. Um, but there's a scene here which is just a smorgasbord of Watchmen Easter eggs. Oh, God. Why did God, we do this? Give me a headache. Firstly, we, we see a blimp and a bus that has a poster for a, um, a TV show which is American Horror Story, colon, Minutemen. You just said American Horror Story. American Hero Story. It's American Hero Story, which American is obviously... American Hero Story. ...taking on both American Horror Story and American Crime Story. Yes. It's like a spoof. So, And, and the, the theme of this season that, that starts the very next day in the showtime is the Minutemen. So we see an advert for that later on as well. So, so the Minutemen, Minutemen, again, were the superheroes in... World War Two-ish, and we we see them later on, don't we? You see them named as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. So we see uh, Captain Metropolis. I mean, names. If you don't know that, read the graphic novels. These names mean nothing to you. But for those who do, you get Captain Metropolis, comedian, Mothman, Dollar Bill, Night Owl, um, and Hooded Justice. He's actually the first costumed hero. So yeah, you see a trailer for that. No one seems to be caring though that that show's starting. I mean, I reckon that we're probably going to see some of that show at some stage. I'd like to think that we would. I, it would be. It wouldn't be non-Lindelofy to suddenly put just throw in, us into the middle of that show, just to show us a couple of scenes to American be like hero story. Also, because you know, like American crime stories are kind of based on like, oh, this was written by whoever documented this. Yeah, maybe this show is based on the book that Night Owl wrote, the Un- second Night Owl, um, Under the Hood. Under the Hood, when he documented his life and the Minutemen and stuff. Yeah. So that probably the basis for this that's interesting we actually do see under the hood in this um, episode we'll come to that but we do see it we do and we see dollar bill again in and this we see dollar bill as well oh there's uh, so much there's stuff so much we will see a newspaper that says that um ozymandias is is um dead later find out to be untrue and then before she goes into the bakery to to suit up um we see a man um in a wheelchair who just kind of casts suspicion about the bakery and the true nature of it and says, do you think I can lift 200 pounds? Well, let's save this for later because we see this man a lot at the end of this episode. We see this man at the end of this episode. Before then, there were set photos of the bakery. You were saying, yes. And next to the bakery was a shop called Treasure Island. Mm -hmm. Now, in the comics, Treasure Island is a comic book shop. Yes, fun fact very fun fact and i'm sure we'll see that again hopefully also the dreamland theater that you see in the opening in the 1921 tulsa riot scene uh, which is torn down is now up and running and it's hosting a uh, a version of oklahoma hosting a a, 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 yeah musical version of oklahoma which we see uh, the chief watching with his wife um so yeah sister knight heads to the white supremacist trailer park and she grabs that guy she has him in her boot and she goes straight to the chief and she tells him so. And he's unnerved because they've found a video or they've been sent a video by the 7th Cavalry who... Are wearing Rorschach masks. All wearing Rorschach masks. Now tell... We should have said. We saw that earlier in the episode, the Rorschach mask. We do. So this is... These are the bad guys. Yes. Well, bad guys. I guess there isn't really a bad or good guy in this show. We'll come on to that. But yeah, the Rorschach. So Rorschach for... People who didn't read the graphic novel. He's probably he's he's the biggest Watchmen character, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very famous one. He's the most famous one. He was like a underground mask detective who used ruthless ways to get what he wanted. Yeah, you know, and he he dies at the end of the Watchmen comic books. He's yes, blown apart. But he also kept a journal of the truth of what happened with the big squid. Yeah. 
So it's not an alien invasion, as we spoke about. It was created by Ozymandias. And even though it created world peace, Rorschach, unlike the other uh, superheroes, he refused to let it just happen. He he was like, even though the squid's there, I want the truth out there. Yeah. And so he wrote this journal and presumably in between the graphic novel and the show, it was published. Yeah. And so these Rorschach mask wearers have taken it on as their mantra. They've like appropriated him as their, yeah, disgusting evilness. Which I, I mean, I get the fight for truth, but I don't understand why, because Rorschach wasn't a white supremacist. No, no, no. They've just, they've reappropriated it to, to match their racist views, I think. Mm. And what's interesting about this is, obviously it's coming, the show's coming out a few months after Joker. Yes. Which you haven't seen. But in Joker, we have Joaquin Phoenix's crazed Joker. Uh, he murders some people with his clown makeup on. He's not recognized. And then the streets of Gotham, in that case, mm. uh, appropriate clown masks as their figurehead yeah. for doing shit things in the city of Gotham, for like being a rebellion. So it's interesting that there's like this appropriation of masks to be for shit people. I guess the most obvious comparison is the Ku Klux Klan, right? Yes. So, like, the Rorschach mask isn't far removed from, you know, it's white. It's got mm. the black blots as well. They say, we are no one, we are everyone, and we are invisible. We do not compromise. They sound like very white Ku Klux Klan things to say. But I, I guess their point is that, well, you would hope that, because the, the policemen all wear masks. So the policemen, well, they have to be masked, right? So it, it's got this whole thing of, yeah, everyone is, is masked. Everyone's masked, but who, should but it, anyone wear a mask? Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, ah, oh, it's a really, it's obviously ve like hugely, hugely topical. Mm -hmm. Everything going on here. But I mean, the police wear masks because otherwise villains will go and find their families. Yeah, exactly. White, to protect their families. White night will happen again. Yeah. But now it's quite funny to see these Americans begging them to um, grant them ownership and usage of guns. Yeah, it's just quite ironic and 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 disturbing in a backwards way. Yeah, it, yeah. it's weird because the law obviously has so much power in this universe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like like more so than here. Like the law is obviously something to be abided by, which also interesting comes back to the quote from the film we saw at the beginning, at the beginning where it says, "There will be no more mob justice today. Mm. Trust in the law." Mm -hmm. Do we trust in the law? I mean, I mean, uh, it would be nice to. It would be nice to. I think at the moment you kind of presume that we do trust. Yeah, in the I law could. Here. I think you can trust in the law here. They think they're they're <sighs> chief. Authorizes gun usage when two of his, um, I guess you could call them his, uh, his underlings who he looks to, one's called Looking Glass and the other's called Red. Um, they believe their life is under immediate threat. So he, he actually authorizes the gun usage. And then when someone says to him, you're making a mistake, he a says... Panda. The panda. The guy wearing a panda mask um, says, you're making a mistake. Uh, Chief says, it's my funeral. So he knows it's going to cause pandemonium, granting these this gun usage, you know. It's mm. going to, the, the, the Seventh Cavalry aren't going to be a fan of that. I mean, I, I'm interested by the mask choices because I'm wondering who gets to choose a mask and who doesn't. Yeah. Because all, all the, the generic policemen are all wearing the yellow mask. Yeah. And then there's suddenly looking glass and this shiny thing. There's red in the red thing. And then there's panda wearing this stupid panda hat. I mean, the panda guy is, is a bit of a... Uh, confusion at this point the the looking glass though who's played by tim blake nelson oh so who is good. great addition to the show he um it's you kind of get to you kind of can see why he's kind of got this like silvery mask because he ends up becoming like a a, a walking talking rorschach test his f mask almost becomes like the rorschach mask when he starts questioning interrogating the uh white supremacist in the pod in the pod which is really interesting let's talk about the pod the pod's great, isn't it? It's podcast, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I loved this scene so much because it's just, I don't know, it's so it's creepy. Mm. It really reminds me in Lost. Hit me in. I mean, you'll be able to tell me. Season when, three, episode seven. <laughs> you know not exactly in, where not I'm in going. Portland. Yeah, I yeah. do. 
when they when they go into this room and there are all these flashing images coming up. But the the effect in that one was to do brainwashing, and the effect in this one is to like Clockwork Orange, isn't it? It's it is yeah. Clockwork Orange. But the, this one, he's doing like a, a Rorschach test. He's but he's trying to tell their emotion, but he's also it's like a lie detector as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The way he's trying he's, to... he's asking questions about the um, you know, what would you feel if someone defecated on the American flag and things like that. Well, there's all these images behind him blasting up the Vietnam War. Neil Armstrong on the moon, racial lynchings. You see American Gothic? Yeah, I didn't know what that painting was, but you, well up in your painting, mate. mate it, well it, up in your art. I mean, it, so it's a, it's two people. It's a woman and a man. You've probably seen it. It's been spoofed a million times by like the Simpsons and everything. And they've got a pitchfork, which I don't know. Like we've seen pitchforks already quite a few times. Yeah, it's true. In this episode, yeah. especially at the beginning, mm. you know, and, and a fork we see later with Ozzy later on Mandis with Ozzy as Mandis, well. Yeah. Yeah. Before this scene, though, when before um, they throw him in the pods, it's the scene with the um, under the hood, which is the book we were talking about before. Oh, the um, in the office. It's on the desk in the chief's office. Um, and also on his desk is a night owl mask. Now, night, night owl is one of the... Night owl mug. Mug, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Mug. She drinks from a night owl mug that's on his desk. Who's night owl, Jacob? A superhero from watch the... Uh, graphic novels so there's uh, there's an owl in the graphic novels and there's actually two of them so this is a big character so he exists here but you're thinking why is under the hood on the sheaf's desk why is a night owl mug in his office I mean I have my theories about this so there was the original night owl yes part of the Minutemen night owl 2 who wrote under the hood yeah and then are we to think that this is night owl 3 or a relation or perhaps Night Owl 2's son? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe son. Because in a later scene, it, when he comes out of the pod and little Looking Glass is like, yeah, he is a guilty white supremacist, he, uh, Angela, Regina King, is given free reign to interrogate the guy to find out where his, his clan are. And when she gets it, they go there. And uh, she comes with, equipped with, giant vehicle the which owl. is known as uh the owl ship so the owl ship was once owned by night owl yeah yeah so so like he's obviously inherited this right yeah that's we... what i think he's got to be a son he's yeah there's also this but there's also knowledge that we know outside of the episode but because it was revealed before that we know that silk specter is in the show. Yes. Now, Night Owl 2 and Silk Spectre were lovers. Lovers. And so it would make sense if their child was killed as what happens later on. You know, I mean, we, we've always spoiled that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if he's killed, then she would be on the hunt for the, the killer. So you think the death of the chief at the end of this episode is a catalyst bring Silk Spectre back into play? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I agree. So I'm thinking it's their, their their love child then. Yeah, I presume it is. And because superheroes aren't a thing, but he's a very prominent public member. You know, he's chief of the force and he's the only one not wearing a mask. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it would make sense for him to kind of, maybe he's known as Night Owl's son and that's why he has so much respect and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Rather than taking on the mantle of being Night Owl 3. Do you think we're going to see... I mean, okay, we'll ask this at the end. I've, I've, I've got questions for you, mate, but we'll, we'll go chronologically. Um, when um, Night Owl, when the Owl ship comes and helps Regina, before that, uh, Angela has gone in to um, try and get uh, information from one of the white supremacists and he takes a, a suicide pill, but she spots something on the wall, doesn't she? She spots a photo of Dollar Bill. Dollar Bill. Um, now, Dollar Bill um, was an in-house superhero for one of the big banks in America. <laughs> And there's, uh, it's ridiculous, but I love it. And uh, there's a big poster of him, of him on the wall. I like how, like, why is he the glorified one? Glorified one? Dollar by, Bill? By white supremacists. I mean, I guess because he was pre... I guess superheroes before Ozymandias yeah. can be glorified by the the, the Rorschachs. The yeah. New Rorschachs. Cause the they, Seventh Cavalry. Yeah, because they did... The, you know, the comedian in that lot yeah. did nothing wrong. No, in their eyes. In their eyes, yeah. But the comedian was like an awful man, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. The yeah, like like raped kids and whatnot. Yes. Yeah, um, oh, but no really... sign of the comedian as of yet. As of yet. 
Um, there's just so much history. I know. I mean, I mean, another just to go back to like the Minutemen while we're talking about them. Yeah, sure. One of the reasons why they were kind of killed initially was because a lot of the members were 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 gay. Yeah, yeah. At the time, homosexuality was banned. So it's interesting that that. I mean, that story itself reflected the time in the kind of like the 40s and 30s. And then there was the Cold War, which reflected like America then. And now there's this. Yeah. You know, it's kind of keeping with that weird Watchmen deals with what's happening in the world now. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Which I quite, I, I like that. I like the mirror it's yeah, putting up to our society. And I think that's something Damon's doing really well to copy and channel the spirit of Alan Moore. Yeah, definitely. Even though Alan Moore doesn't want him to. He don't want him to. He's like, <laughs> power of Christ compels you to Damon yeah. Lindelof. Uh, the next scene we see um, what is essentially Ozymandias. And he's being, Jeremy Irons is playing this role and it's great to see him in it, to be honest. Um, but in the promotional materials, I've seen him be um, Ozymandias as um, you probably know or something like that. Everyone knows that this is Ozymandias, right? Very odd scene. Very odd scene. So he's in a British... It's like a manor. Manor somewhere. Yeah. And he's got his two little... Lap dogs. We keep calling him Master. Yeah. Mrs. Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips. And they're very... They act very strange around him. They're just kind of like... They're washing his legs. He's sat naked on a oh. table. He's writing something that we later learn is a tragedy in five acts called The Watchmaker's Son. Oh, this, I mean... So he, he is the watchmaker's son. He is the watchmaker's son because we know that his dad was actually a watchmaker yeah. and that's and they present him, Phillips... And Crookshanks. Present him with a watch. With a watch, a indeed. watch yeah. he made. And he very much likes the present. He gets a big old cake as well, doesn't he? He does get a bit and he takes only a mouthful, doesn't he? It's only a mouthful. But then they, it's, 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 it's starts him, he's a jolly good fellow. Um, which is ironic because obviously in the comics he's a big, big, big bad guy. And he revealed to be at the end. Millions half the population. of population. And um, they say it's his anniversary. And now that's why I'm thinking it's the anniversary of the day that he unleashed a giant squid. Mm. Do you reckon? I think that's, yeah, that's probably the most obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. It's either that or the anniversary of when he died. Right, right, right. Because apparently he's dead. Yeah. To the papers. Yeah, the, the papers don't know that he's alive. And obviously it'd be way easier to fake your death in this universe because there's just no technology. Yeah. No one's got like camera phones or yeah, anything. Yeah, absolutely. So he could easily like just... no CCTV or anything. Exactly. Just Good easily point. disappear. So I reckon we're going to get, I reckon we're going to get like a naughty few Ozymandias scenes each episode, but we're going to be none the wiser as of episode four. I, I'm not thinking these are going to be like slow burns. Yeah, definitely. I like this scene though. I think it, it's just, it's quite unnerving. Yeah. It's really unnerving. Jeremy Irons said he wasn't sold until David Lindelof just sent him like this crazy concept of, of these scenes. And he was just like, what? The energy in this scene just seems mental. I've got to be part of it. It is mental. Yeah. I mean, he's got the woman cleaning his legs. I thought she was doing something else for a minute so there. So did I. It's, it's all very gross. Well, I'll say this as well. When I interviewed Regina King months and months and months ago, she'd filmed a lot of the season and she said to me that she hadn't actually met Jeremy Irons yet. Ooh. Just found that out there. So a little insider scoop. I know, Jacob. little insider scoop. The um, irony was she was about to meet him that afternoon at another event in London. Mm. Nothing to do with Watchmen. Um, after this very bizarre scene, we are back with Chief and Angela, but they are joined by their families. They're having dinner. Very nice dinner scene. Nothing really big happens here, apart from the fact that Chief has a little bump of coke because you know hard day at the office. Yeah, and then he sings Oklahoma. And he sings Oklahoma. Very, sings it very well. But there is ticking going on throughout this entire scene. There is ticking. And it's that also, again, unnerving. Sense of dread. It's just, that's exactly what's going through this entire show. I mean, even when they do a shot above the table and you see the clock. Yeah, the clock. The symbolism is huge. And even in the next scene, when you see the advert on the TV of American Hero Story, yeah, um, right that there's time. lots of clocks going on in, in the background. And we haven't mentioned what the, the supremacists, the Rorschachs, were doing. They had the clocks. They had all the clocks. Which our boy Judd and Angie talk about here, don't they? Yeah. They're talking about the lithium being taken out. Absolutely. Which is a nice touch that, because they say there's no more lithium in clocks, because it's not a reusable source mm -hmm. 
So they've moved past that because in the comics, Dr. Manhattan sorts out energy sources for everyone, doesn't he? Yes. So everything's reusable. And yeah, yeah, foss- yeah, exactly. Fossil fuels are extinct. Extinct. Which is where we should all be going. Should we go that way? Anyway. Um, but in this scene, um, he gets a little blip on his page uh, to say that Charlie Sutton, who is the cop that got shot at the beginning of the episode... Um, is actually awake. So this is when he's what, just in front of the telly with his wife. Yeah, and the American Hero story is uh, trailer is on. Not, but they're not paying attention to that really. No. The trailer or anything. No, no, like oh, that's my dad. That, that, yeah, exactly. Uh, so he leads <laughs> to the hospital and he's driving down the road in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and someone puts out those awful things where your car goes over it and it bursts tires. Pew, pew, pew. They captured him, and then you see a big flashing light, and then it cuts to. What I've got written down here is a very good sex scene. It is a very good sex scene. Regina King and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Very, 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 very sizzling on screen together. Ooh, Regina's having a great time in good this scene. Good old time. Yet so is Yaya, man. Like, literally. Anyway, it all goes... Um, I actually mean this. Very good sex scene. Nicole <laughs> Castle, who um, I'm very happy to see directing TV after The Americans. She did just a lot of TV shows, but she did some really good episodes of The Americans, which I loved. Uh, directed that sex scene extremely well. This uh, general episode is directed really well. Really, I mean, the really action well. stuff with the cows blowing up, you know. Very, very violent. Very this violent. is not a good episode for cow lovers. <laughs> we just want to say this. If you like cows, you won't like this episode. No. I mean, <laughs> they get torn apart by a machine gun. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've got this. It's just well done. The yeah, whole really thing well is well done. directed. Even like the misdirecting, how it pays off here, and it's all well put together. I, I mean, you you've kind of glossed over. Yeah. The phone call. The phone call that Judd receives. Oh yeah. Not no the no. Fo- the phone call. Regi- oh no, we're getting there. Yeah, the phone call. There. Oh, it's the phone call Angie yeah, yeah, yeah. receives. And it, it 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 disturbs the orgasm. It does disturb the orgasm. She's furious. She is furious, but also. Like, who's on the end of that phone yeah, call? Yeah, man. So what do they say to her? She picks it up. She's a bit frustrated. And then they ask her, is it Angela Aber? Uh, but then they ask another question. Are you the daughter of Marcus Aber? Yeah. And that gets her, doesn't it? That gets her. And then my favourite moment in the episode happens here. She goes into the bedroom. She looks at Yaya. She ties her hair back. She lies back on the bed, pushes the, the, the wall back and just gets out a, a bloody big shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and then she whips out another one from under the fireplace she hands it to him she says if anyone walks up the drive you shoot them yeah. shoot them in their spot She's, she means business and then we and then we go and we we find Judd we go to the scene and we find Judd Chief Judd um, hanging from a tree he's been lynched and next mm. to him is William Will Reeves who we see is the little boy from the beginning of the episode with the same note. With the same note that says, watch over this boy. Watch over this boy. The same man who had seen Regina early in the episode and said, do you think I could lift? Whatever. So, we've got theories here. I mean, it's a circular narrative. It starts with a little boy watching a white sheriff being killed by like a black hero. And in this episode... Same thing seems to, have, seems to have happened again in, in the sense that the white sheriff has now been killed. He's been hung. Don Johnson is dead, as far as we know. But he is there, and he's kind of got his hands out, man. Like, I'm I'm thinking he's behind this death. Yeah, it's interesting you say this, because his last name, Reeves, is the same name as Bass Reeves, who was in the film at the beginning. So, I mean, so I reckon this man... William Re- Will Reeves is this guy's like great grandson somehow because mm. it's weird because like the cinema scene he's the only guy in there the only kid in there watching it the only boy and there's someone's playing a piano presumably his mother his yeah and so it would be it would be fair enough to presume that like oh she's trying to show him some family history yeah or something and suddenly we've got this this circular narrative and then he's there again and if he is you know the great grandson it also sounds like him in the phone call to it really does to angie that's presumably his voice yeah so she's checking that she's legit 
and mm. she I mean I think he's been following her or something yeah I mean he seems to he seems to have sussed out that A she's a cop B she's sister knight the master vigilante and maybe he knows that Chief Judd is the son of Night Owl yeah I mean watch the comics are there's a lot of family in mm-hmm. there Anyway, you know, you've got the the night owls and the silk specters and the, you know, there's a there's a lot of talk. There's that whole thing about silk specters' dad being the comedian, and that's the big twist: is that oh, you're the one who raped my mother, mm. and then I w- was the child of that. You know, that that's a, a huge plot twist. That's about family, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be a reach to go like that's probably going to happen in the TV show. There will be familiar connections here and let's be honest Damon Lindelof The Leftovers Lost it's all about family all about family lots of uh, lots of you know Damon Lindelof has made no secret of the fact that he has daddy issues yes he, he, it, it, that's all over Lost and all over Leftovers you know it's 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 his MO it's it's what guides him as a writer um, so it would be very strange if it wasn't here in Watchmen mm. um, so is it granddaddy issues granddaddy issues or daddy issues yeah but then the question would be like why would he because the chief, it seems, mm. at least, is an ally. Maybe he's not. I mean, I, I don't know. There was a few moments here where I was thinking, this could go either way with him. Mm. Could go either way with him. So which moments? There's a few references to the fact that he was uncomfortable watching um, a black cast reenact Oklahoma. Yeah. Two references to it. Uh, one by an Angela, um, and the second by his wife. Oh, my God. So, you know when he... When he undoes the guns and he says, free use of guns. Yeah. Maybe he's doing that because he knows it's going to anger the Rorschachs. Right. So that's the reason Panda's like, no, 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 we shouldn't do that. Because he's seeing like the next level. And he says, it's my funeral. Yeah. He says that. Probably ironically, but he says that. Maybe he's actually a Rorschach. Maybe he's a Rorschach. I mean, it's, yeah. Do you think we're going to see him again? In flashbacks, at least. 100%. Yeah. There's no way they're going to have introduce him as such a big character and then not have him in it. It's funny, isn't it? Because wasn't there originally a plan for the, the lost pilot to kill off Jack? Jack. Absolutely. Who was the main character yeah, in the show. Was. It feels like... They are going to get Michael Keaton in to play him. They, they, here they've got like a guy they're setting up to be the main character and then yeah. they've killed him. They've killed him, yeah. Which seems like, you know, they finally fulfilled that promise. It's interesting, Damon's isn't it? done that. It's obviously going to throw Angela on a course of just not... Just uncertainty... There's going to be a lot of subterfuge and a lot of just double crossing, and she's mm. going to just have to like try and navigate it without letting anyone know she's a police officer. Yeah, but it would also make sense if if Will Byers is then actually saving Will the day. Will Byers is in Stranger Things. Is that not Will Byers? Will <laughs> Will Reeves. Will Reeves. Who is... who? It's fair to say we don't know his name is that in the show yet. Okay. Yeah. But is it is it just to point out this was announced beforehand, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he is. If he's actually doing good like his granddaddy. Yeah. So he's actually trying to save the day somehow by killing this guy and maybe putting Regina on the right course. So we should talk about the baby as well. Yeah. In the beginning scenes. And therefore, because he knows Regina's daddy, does that somehow link to the baby? <laughs> so oh, yeah. has he been watching over this family this entire time? Mm-hmm. You know, there are questions to be asked. There are questions to be asked. I feel like that's probably as far as we can really go on that thread. Yeah, not I mean, we can really go. I think we did a really good job. Yeah. I just want to say one thing. I don't think I pointed out at the beginning. We pointed out the title, um, which is uh, "It's Summer." We're running out of ice, but that is actually a lyric from a song from uh, the musical Oklahoma, which obviously runs throughout this entire episode. The song is "Poor Judd Is Dead," um, and the lyric goes: "He looks like he's asleep. It's a shame that he won't keep." But it's summer and we're running out of ice. Do you know much about the musical Oklahoma? No. I know it's Rodgers and Hammerstein. I know that my best mate Scott's sister was in a uh, a version of it once. Because to me, I don't really know much about it either. Because I don't really care for musicals. Mm. But it seems to be about... Controversial. It seems to be about... um, The gist of the story is kind of about people falling in two suitors. Apparently there's like a farm, two farmers... People work on farm wo- trying to woo a woman. Yeah. And it's like the battle of that, which I, I'm just trying to see the relevance with the episode yeah. of kind of like two suitors trying to woo someone. Yeah. I don't know. 
this is the thing as it goes on we're going to realize we've just we're being led up the garden path with some things and other things we just haven't been exploring nearly enough yeah yeah i can't wait for that though our, our job is to leave no stone unturned we hope and we hope that's what people want to hear yeah so what other theories do you have out of this episode? The main two that I have are the night are uh, that Chief was Night Owl's son or a relative of something and he inherited the owl ship and other stuff. And that the old guy who's a little boy we see at the beginning, uh, you know, I, I was going to say he was responsible for the hanging through his superpowers that he kind of suggests he has earlier on in the episode. Mm. But I like the idea that maybe, I don't know, I thought that it crossed my mind that Chief was baddie. Was mem- but I didn't think he'd be a member of the War Rorschachs and then I like your theory that he had ulterior motives for um, authorising the gun usage so I think between us we've kind of come up with some fun stuff yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a lot I think one thing we should touch on as well is the batteries and this what, is where I'm a bit flummoxed because what are Rorschachs doing with the batteries are they trying to say he says something like are they trying to like cause a bit of a um, like like a radiation thing like a cancer threat or something he jokes about that the sheriff says and there's the really interesting piece at the beginning with in the car with the white supremacist and the black cop yeah and we're so used to seeing it the other way around where it's a white cop and a black person in yeah, the car. yeah yeah absolutely so it's like a re- reverse that but it's still happening that the racism's still happening even though the power's supposed to be the other way around yeah so it's all framed by this narrative of like there's a going to be a race war and they want to cause this race war because the whites are unhappy which i guess relates to the politics of today i guess i guess i mean i don't know what the politics are like like today in tulsa but yeah i I mean i guess also one other thought that's crossed to my mind um before we go is um when he gets the blast to say that the guy the cop uh, who gets shot beginning is awake who sent that is he awake is he awake yeah don't know we don't see he gets he gets he gets lynched yeah so there's a lot of questions there's a lot of questions and you know probably not gonna have answers anytime soon but it's been really fun talking about it yeah you enjoyed the episode then yeah yeah you did yeah i think it's it's borderline overwhelming because there's just so much stuff we've spent a lot of time going over it in the space of 24 hours yeah my, my brain is frazzled but i'm really excited to have my brain frazzled more with every passing week. So your big prediction for next week? Oh God, I'm usually the one who does this to you on the last. I know, Boys. I know. See, you're not very good at doing like the theories and stuff. You, you just, you're kind of dealing with facts. I'm trying to like explore all these ideas. Theorize, and now I'm the one who gets to ask you. I've come up with some good theories. You have come up with good theories. Um, my big prediction for next week is that we're going to learn that the. <laughs> yeah man I'm no better at this than you are am I uh, I'm pretty good at it I'd just uh, like to put out there you know the um, the, the the run of Oklahoma is is I don't know is a front <laughs> I don't know I reckon we're going to learn that the kid in the class who is a big old racist I reckon she's going to beat him up okay Sister Knight is going to beat that kid up I think... And do you know what? He bloody deserves it. He does bloody deserve it. I think we're going to learn what the White Knight is. Do you? I'd I'd like to learn that. I feel like that's the sort of thing that was very... A lot of things have been littered out in this episode. You know, little snippets. We've We've only touched on a lot of them that have much deeper implications for what's to come. But I think there's... I feel like that's kind of big enough but also not too big yeah that if we learnt that it would still leave a lot more questions i think okay yeah so i think we're going to get some good flashbacks definitely regardless regardless i think we're gonna get some good flashbacks yeah and you know there's no opening credits yet no that'd be nice to see will we get one i hope so the leftovers is some of the best part of the, the best part of the episodes of the opening credits yeah i'm hoping so Man, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. So where can people find us? So if you've enjoyed listening along, I mean, A, subscribe on your podcasting thing. We're going to be back here every week. We've got an interview of Regina King. We have an interview of Regina King. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, we're going to get more cast members. We're going to, uh, we're going to get more cast members. Great. I mean. John Johnson, we're going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold us to that. Dakota Johnson's dad. Is he? He is indeed. Oh, wow. So. 
You can find that. I mean, like, subscribe, do all that, whatever. I don't know. Give us a rate. I like the rating. The Give rate, us five a rating. Five would be very nice if you if you're not if you're kind enough. Follow along at Watchmen Boys. Yes. For this one, and then go if you're a Lost fan. Yeah. Go subscribe. I'm trying to drive the traffic, like man. <laughs> the Lost Boys, yeah, our man. other podcast, our bread and butter. Our bread and butter, like you know, we're, we're we've got an active Twitter profile there called at Lost Boys Pod. Yes, nearly forgot it there. You did. And then what, what's your what's your user, mate? Mine is Jack J Shepherd, and I'm Jacob underscore Stoll. Thank you so much for listening. You're Jack Shepherd. You're Jacob Stollworthy, and we are the, the Lost Watchmen Boys. boys. <laughs> we're not. We're watching Watchmen. We are the, the Lost, Lost boys. boys watching Watchmen.